The Daily Tap is live for Thursday. We are talking early box season storylines. We are also going to chat about the Green Bay Packers importance rankings, a little borrowing from our Tapping the Keg podcast. And lastly, we will talk about how the Brewers refuse to die and also my day at the ballpark. Uh, I had a good one, uh, just some things I observed. Uh, so I want to download you guys on that. Uh, but before we get going, just a reminder, make sure you follow along on social media, Tapping the Keg on Twitter, Tapping the Keg Sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok. Uh, we had a couple of popular TikToks to this week. Hope you guys enjoyed that content. If you're coming in from TikTok, you're new, uh, make sure that you're subscribing to the podcast. Uh, we are on Apple, we're on Spotify, we are on wherever you get your podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast. If somehow we are missed, make sure you're hitting us up. Uh, we are. We can make sure to have all of that and get that for you. If you're already subscribed and you want to help out the show, we'd really appreciate a rating or a review. Uh, also sharing the podcast, uh, just telling your friends about who we are, what we're doing. That goes a long way. So we'd appreciate all of that and much more. Uh, but yeah, we'll have a good week. Uh, we'll talk again tomorrow. It'll just be me. And then next week, we'll bring back Mitch um, and get going a little bit on some other stuff that we have cooking, that we have kind of hanging around in the crock pot. Um, hopefully, next week will be a lot more quiet as we get more settled into our new suburban location. All right, let's waste no more time and let's talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. So Milwaukee Bucks begin their season in little over a or little under a month, I should say, uh, October twentieth. Truth be told, I actually thought the Bucks season started a little earlier. I think I might even sign on the podcast the sixteenth. Um, no, it's the twentieth. So we have we have a little bit of time. We have a we have a little bit of time uh, before the Bucks get going, which is good. Uh, we have preseason games that begin on Saturday. The Bucks then head to Abu Dhabi, which is interesting, just given some of the NBA commentary. Um, not necessarily a place that I would consider growing the game, but here that's here and there, and maybe we can talk about that next week. But we'll have some daytime preseason hoops if that's something you're into on Thursday and Saturday of next week. But there are things that we want to talk about with the Bucks for the start of the season. Uh, the, the start of the season obviously brings optimism. I think Bucks fans would have it no matter what, right? We th- we consider ourselves championship contenders. We consider you know the sort of rightful heir to the Eastern Conference. Even though Boston had it last year, I still look at the Bucks as the top dog, and I still believe that the Bucks would have won the title or at least got to the title. I should say they would have got there with Chris Middleton. Uh, if Chris Middleton's there, I think the Bucks would and the Warriors would have had a seven-game just absolute classic. It would have been a hell of a series. I still actually probably put the Bucks ahead of them, but we don't know that. And Middleton not being there is akin to me always saying, well, if David Bakhtiari hadn't got hurt in 2020, the Packers would have won the Super Bowl. It, you know, if fans and butts are great, but you got to actually win the thing. And I think the Bucks have more than enough of a shot to do it. We kind of mentioned that yesterday when we were comparing the Bucks and the Suns and their situations at hand. So let's dive into some of the storylines. I picked out five things that I'm kind of curious about as the year goes on. Number one is what does Giannis have in store for us for a revenge season? I think they asked him about potentially being an MVP again. Giannis, you know, kind of joked around, kind of did his Giannis thing at a press conference and was like, yeah, I think I have another one of those in me. And it'll be really curious to see what Giannis has in store as 
not the title defender, right? This is now him again chasing a title like he was in 2020 to 2021. This will be that version. So what does that look like for Giannis Antetokounmpo? Does that mean that he is going to play a little bit more, that there's going to be less load management? Does it mean that teams might not take the Bucs as seriously as they did last year? I think that's naturally going to happen. I know Bucks fans might scoff at that, but if you listen to a lot of people who have been on championship defenses, they talk about how every game there is a target on your back because they want to beat the champs. The Bucs don't have that. The Bucs aren't even the Eastern Conference champs. Like if I look at who has the biggest target or where statements are going to want to be sent, it's going to be against Golden State and it's going to be against Boston. And those will be the games. I think there's still a want to be measure up against Giannis and Giannis is the best player in the game. So there is a target, but I don't think that target is as significant. And I think that's more individual, right? It's guys who go up against Giannis. It's an Embiid. It's a Durant. Like, I think that's more of that target. I don't think it's a entire game. Like, I don't think Cade Cunningham looks at it and says, okay, I need to go off because I'm playing Giannis Antetokounmpo. Because he's not, Giannis isn't guarding Cade, right? Or uh, Anthony Edwards, another good example of that. Like, I don't think Anthony Edwards is looking at this and saying, okay, I have to go off because I'm facing Giannis Antetokounmpo. Trey Young, we're going to throw that in the mix. Those are all teams Bucks play early on in the season. Like, I just don't think any of those guys are looking at this and saying, okay, I have to be great because I'm playing Giannis Antetokounmpo. So I expect Giannis to have a massive year. I think he is a great bet for MVP. I haven't looked at the odds, but I do think that there is a real chance Giannis Antetokounmpo can win the MVP again this year. I think enough time has passed. I think the fact that he has now been kind of anointed as the best player in in basketball, I don't think anyone disputes that unless maybe you're Gilbert Arenas. Uh, But I I really look at it and I, I think that it's time for another one. And I think Giannis can get it. I think Giannis' skill set is going to be continued to develop. I think the three-point shot is going to be even better. I think some of the post moves are going to be smooth. He really looks like he was ready to roll after that Greece, the Greece national team. Like I just saw a lot there. I realize some of the competition is not at NBA level, but I, I'm just very high on this season for Giannis Antetokounmpo. Number two, when it comes to early season Bucks storylines, when will Chris Middleton be back from injury? I know Chris Middleton has said that he's going to be he's going to try to make it back before the season starts. I have it on pretty good authority that it won't happen. Um, I, I've heard from a few people that Chris Middleton will not be ready for the start of the season. Uh, I think it'll be more likely that Chris Middleton is back around Thanksgiving. I don't have that source that part sourced out. I just been told he hasn't. He hasn't, you know, he's not going to be able to be back. Like the wrist is kind of a bad thing. How does Middleton A, recover from that? And B, how long does it take? Um, Chris Middleton's a guy who I feel like has to get in a rhythm. I used to be critical. This was probably post pre-COVID where I was like, Middleton would always seem a little out of shape, a little bit like it'd take him some time to get rolling into the season. And then by December or January, when he was healthy, it would all of a sudden be like, oh, God, Chris Middleton. He kind of has broken out of that. Like, I don't think we saw that last year. I don't think we saw that the year before. So I do think Chris Middleton will be ready to roll. He takes good care of his body. The Bucks are going to be working with him to get him ready to roll, make sure that his hand is strong and that none of that wrist issues are going to be a thing. And I, I look at some of the injuries for Middleton, and they do not concern me 
long term. The knee injury sucked. It was a, but it's a, you know, an eight, what was it, an MCL tear? Like, it's not, to me, that's not a catastrophic injury. That's not an ACL tear, right? It's not an Achilles. Um, it is a, it's an injury. It's the lesser part of the knee. And that's not worrying me. And a wrist injury, again, it's cartilage and things like that. I don't think Middleton is just going to be this soft tissue injury case the rest of the way. But I will caveat here and say if Middleton does get hurt again, like let's say he pulls a hamstring, let's say he does hurt his other knee, I think you really have to think long and hard about what does that contract look like for Chris Middleton? Is it a two-year extension similar to C.J. McCollum? I think you could put that as part of a, a sub-storyline about what is Chris Middleton's contract look like do the Bucks work on it during the season? Do they let it linger until the offseason? I would prefer if they didn't. Uh, but yeah, I think we'll talk a lot about what does Middleton's contract look like, you know, as it's slowly coming up, which is crazy to think about because, you know, it seems like yesterday everybody was critical about how much money Chris Middleton was making. Number three for me is can Mamu or Jordan Nora be vital bench contributors? Uh, Sandro Matasfili, I had a really good summer. I played well in summer league, and then he followed up by playing well for his home country of Georgia. Jordan Nora uh, did not play in summer league, but Jordan Nora was kind of left out there to dry, if you will, by the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, they did not re-sign him until right before the start of the season. Bucks are taking on a lot of money. Um, so as I said on Twitter a couple of days ago, tapping the keg, uh, if you want to follow, uh, you, you have to retire that the Bucks are cheap. Like you cannot say the Bucks are cheap because they're not. Um, they're assuming a lot of money for the last player on their bench. And that's what Jordan Nora is at the moment. So can Jordan Nora rise up? Jordan Nora made a comment uh, to Eric Name about how he didn't really listen to Bud and it's kind of now sinking in. And if you look at some of the Jordan Nora stuff from college, that was kind of what he, what he did in college too. He kind of just did his own thing. Like he looked at it and when he got the ball, it was Jordan Nora time. And it wasn't exactly team basketball. So can Jordan Nora kind of break out of that? Can he be a contributor? Because if Jordan Nora can figure out a little bit of defense, like I'm not saying Jordan Nora needs to be a shutdown wing defender, but if Jordan Nora can do a little bit of defense and play within the system that Bud wants him to, Jordan Nora can be a vital bench contributor and you can get sort of the things that I think Bucks fans are hoping if they were to trade for Jordan Clarkson, let's just say, and get some of that microwave shooting, right? Like and get some of that quick scoring and attack where Nora all of a sudden has 12 points and it's only been the second quarter and somehow he's leading the team or he's second to the team in scoring because he had this flurry of points in the second quarter or the third quarter. Like you need those guys and the Bucks have desperately lacked, they desperately need it. They've, they've lacked it for, you know, the last couple of years. Even, you know, the championship team didn't exactly have that microwave guy. It's been missing really in the entire Bud administration. So could Nora do that? And then when you go to Minas Vili or Mamu, uh, I was going to say Mamu, I think it's Mamu. Um, it's a, it's such a Wisconsin thing, you're like, Mamu. Like, I, I don't know, I was listening to a post-game show. This is a tangent. But I was listening to a Brewers post-game show last night, heading home from the game, and my God, did the guy who was on the other end have a thick Wisconsin accent? It was it was almost to the point where it was annoying. I, I like I'm sorry. Like I don't mean to shit on him, but it was bad. Uh, but anyways, that's here and right there. Anyways, Mamu, uh, 
it's the, it's a crowded field for him, right? Like I like him. I think I think Sandro has a a good game. I think the fact that he has worked with some of the older guys like Drew Holiday, like Giannis, like a lot of people are in Mamu's corner. But I, I just wonder where is the time going to fit? They expect Sir. I think the Bucks expect Serge Ibaka to be a guy. Like I know Serge didn't do much, and it's really was kind of surprising to a lot of Bucks fans, including myself, that Serge was coming back. But Serge had made a comment to Media Day a couple days ago, like Giannis asked for him to come back. So if Giannis feels like there is a role for Serge on this team, then I believe that Mike Boonholzer is going to find a way for Serge to get minutes. The question is, will will Mamu eat into that? Will they be able to sort of get a rotation of four guys with Sandro, Abaca, Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis? Are you able to sort of mix and match those guys and plus Giannis, I guess? Are you able to mix and match those guys where you can kind of, I wouldn't say load manage, but definitely, you know, make sure that minutes are spread out. Um, maybe early on, that's what you see. And then Bud sort of refines it as you go on. Again, when Mamu, you know, the defense needs to be there. Um, I actually would love to see him, even though he's not great defensively, I'd kind of love to see him against guys like Jokic and Embiid. Um, I just think he could frustrate some of those bigger guys. Zion, I think, is another guy that I I would put him up against, Carl Towns, um, where maybe take some of the load off Giannis and see see how he does. Because I, I just think that he's a unique matchup for those guys, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And maybe that could A, wear them down, but B, sort of frustrate them a little bit. So I wonder if they will choose their spots. Um, but I would say if I had to kind of handicap it, I would say of who's more likely to be a bench contributor, I would put Jordan Nora at like minus 130. So it's not like strong arts odds, but I just think it's a, there. there's a better area of opportunity just given the Bucks don't have as much wing depth as they do with the bigs. And also too, on top of that, if Middleton's out for a significant amount of time, like that's a, it's a huge spot for Jordan Nora to to you know live up to that and to kind of get a little bit more areas of opportunity. Number four, uh, will Grayson Allen get moved early? Uh, Grayson Allen uh, has been a guy that's been mentioned in trade rumors, uh, mostly by Bucks fans. I, mostly by Bucks fans. I don't think it's really been more of a media thing. Uh, we'll see, right? If Jordan Clarkson's a guy that the Bucks feel like they need, Grayson Allen's going to be the obvious piece. I don't believe a Grayson Allen, Jay Crowder trade would work. I'd be curious on that one. I like. I love Jay Crowder. Uh, Jay Crowder, Marquette for life. Like, I, I have a hard time watching Jay Crowder in the NBA because he flops a lot. He plays for teams that are rivals of the Bucks. But I do appreciate what Jay Crowder has done as an undrafted NBA guy and speaks to kind of what Marquette values. And so obviously having the homecoming for Jay would be sweet. But I just don't know if I would rather have Jay, Jay Crowder skill sets over Grayson Allen. I know some are worried that Grayson Allen will not necessarily level up, that the playoffs was basically what we expect from Grayson and that he will not get a little bit better than that. I think it's a little short-sighted. I think you can assume that you know Allen might not have that peak and might not hit the level of maybe what Clarkson could, but I, I do think Grayson Allen can still be a vital part and I think he will be more comfortable. I do not think this is a Bryn Forbes scenario where we saw Bryn Forbes absolutely light up the first round, then be terrible the rest of the playoffs, and then leave for another team. You know, Grayson Allen's still here. Also, it's a contract year for Grayson Allen, so maybe that's a little added motivation. I think Grayson Allen is going to have 
have a moment. I, I really do. I, I think there are definitely areas of opportunity for Grayson. Spe speaking of that, which seems to be a popular word, what to expect out of Marshawn Bochamp? I like I'm I don't know. I honestly don't. I, I mean I love I love what I saw in Summer League. I thought that there was some real talent there. I think Bochamp has a chance to have bench minutes, especially because what we talked about with Middleton's injury. Um, I I don't think that there is a starting role for him early on, maybe later in the year if it really works out for them. Um, I know the Bucks are high on Bochamp. They were so excited to get him. I think he really does fit into what Milwaukee does. Um, so I'm very curious to watch Bochamp this preseason. I think if there's any reason to watch preseason, which I don't watch a lot of preseason hoops, I'll admit, hand up, but I would watch Bochamp because I, I would be curious to see what he has. And also, too, on top of that, it, it, will Bud be accepting of letting Bochamp play serious minutes early on? Like, Bud's usually a guy who does not play rookies. And so will he play Bochamp early on and let Bochamp kind of cook and figure out Bud's system? Or will he spend the first two months on the pine? And then in January, February, when he's more acclimated to the system, Budenholzer will then bring him out. I don't know. Mike Budenholzer, that is one flaw that Mike has where he, he does not play the young guys. So that will be curious to watch. And then the last, last thing, I'm just curious if the Bucks will care early in this year. And we'll talk more about that when we do preview stuff with Mitch and things like that. But, you know, they have a pretty easy schedule to start the season. Um, there's no reason why the Bucks can't start hot in their first 10 games. Like, just to run through it, not to Francesa schedule you, but here's what the Bucks have. They go at Philly. That's a toss-up game. You go home to Houston, should win that. Home against Brooklyn, I think you still win that. It's, it's a home game. New York at home. Um, yeah, probably. Home against Atlanta, home against Detroit, home against Detroit. And then you go to Minnesota, and then home against Oklahoma City. So your first eight, is that? First eight games, six of those are at home. Like, you got to take advantage there before heading out on the road. December is really tough. We'll, I'm sure, talk more about this. Like, December kind of looms for the Bucks with a ton of road games, and it's a very weird schedule for Milwaukee in general. So... You need to get out early. I think that that matters. I do think the one seed is important. I would say that I value, I'm valuing the regular season a little more than I did last year. I think part of my devaluation of the regular season was partly due to COVID, due to the Olympics, due to just the amount of basketball that Milwaukee had played. And I was just, that was more of it than it was like, hey, I think the regular season doesn't matter. I'm not, I was never really in that camp. I think Mitch painted me into that um if I can be critical of my co-host where he was like oh you don't think the regular season matters and it's like no I think it matters I just don't sometimes I don't think it's as important to get wound up with one bad loss and that was more my point is like there are going to be bad losses you have 80 you know any any team is going to have like 20 losses at least right um if you lose 20 games that's a great fucking season but even if you lose 30 games you're probably a top four seat and so, and those 30 losses, there are going to be some bad ones. And there's going to be ones that just drive you crazy um, because that's 
being a fan of it, it, you know, day to day. Look at the Brewers. I mean, they're in the wild card hunt, and they have absolutely drove me nuts throughout the entire year. I mean, I could argue the Brewers, there is no team that has made me feel more crazy than that Milwaukee Brewers team. We'll talk about them very shortly here, and we'll, before we do the Packers, but let me know what you think, Buck storyline wise. Uh, hit me up on Twitter, Tevin the Keg, or on Instagram, Tevin the Keg Sports. Um, would love to hear what you guys think. All right, let's move on to the Green Bay Packers. Importance rankings for Packers Patriots. We did not want to forget this. Um, usually we do this on Tapping the Keg, where we talk about the most important things from the Green Bay Packer uh, New England Patriot game. Uh, since we're not doing Tapping the Keg this week, I'm filling in to do my own version of importance rankings. Um, and I'm going to give you four. Uh, we usually do three. I'm going to give you a bonus one. Um, just some things that I think are important to watch. Um, I'm doing players mostly. I have uh, one non-player thing, but it is player adjacent. Number one to me is Keyshawn Nixon. So Keyshawn Nixon had a great first game and kind of similar to backup quarterbacks. The second game is cannot, can be a little, you're a little more exposed. People now know, people watch the tape, they see what Keyshawn Nixon brings to the table. Now the Patriots do not have an aerial assault. You don't really have to worry about the Patriots throwing the ball up and down the field. That said, what does Keyshawn Nixon bring to the table? What does he do differently they didn't do in last week. Is he able to replicate that success? That's kind of what I'm curious about. And on top of that, as sort of a subset of Keyshawn Nixon, will if Keyshawn Nixon plays well and the guys on the outside play well, does the noise about Jair Alexander playing inside get louder and louder? That to me, I think is the bigger part. Like if Nixon shows that not only can he handle the inside, but if Rasul Douglas and Eric Stokes shut down the outside routes, are, are we looking at something where we have to have that conversation with Jair Alexander? Because then that'd be two games a sample, right? And one against a very good quarterback in Tom Brady and one in a quarterback of Brian Hoyer, likely. I know Mac Jones, they're kind of doing this. Well, Mac Jones is day-to-day and Belichick, you know, ripped the media for, he's like, I'm not a docker. I don't, I don't know what day-to-day means. Obviously, keeping it close to the vest. I think we all know it's going to be Brian Hoyer on Sunday. I'd be shocked if it's Mac Jones. I think that would be extremely, not necessarily dangerous, um, but it'd be extremely, I used short-sighted earlier in the pod, but it will be short-sighted too for the Patriots because it, it's week four, right? I understand you're one and two, but like, even if you're one and three, it's not the end of the world. Yes, it makes it a lot harder. The Patriots schedule gets a lot lighter after this week. I think it would make a ton of sense to sit Mac Jones for one more game, like or at least a game, if not two. Like you, you can survive without Mac Jones in this one and keep it close if your defense is good enough, right? You just need all hands on deck defensively. And maybe because the way the Packers have been playing so far this season, maybe you get a chance because the offense has sort of sputtered. Let's talk about the offense. I think Aaron Rodgers is very important in this game. And the reason why is because we haven't had a good Aaron Rodgers game yet. We just have not seen Aaron Rodgers at full tilt. And now I understand why. I understand it's partly due to the offense. I know Rodgers cautioned fans and were like, don't overreact the first couple of weeks. So I'm not overreacting. I'm just, I just kind of want to see if Rodgers still has that. And I want to also see if it's going to take 
seven to eight weeks versus four weeks. Because now it's been three straight weeks of games, three straight weeks of practice. Four, it'll be four straight weeks of practice once you once they get ready for the Patriots. Can Aaron Rodgers sort of rise up? Do we start seeing the 300-yard game? Do we start seeing Aaron Rodgers light it up a little bit? Especially because like, with the Patriots defense, it's not that easy to run the football. I know Lamar had a big day on the ground, but that was more just Lamar scrambling and Lamar running versus what we saw, you know, an actual running back. So can Aaron Rodgers get cooking a little bit against the New England Patriots and start seeing, you know, that back-to-back MVP type swagger? I don't really think we've seen it yet this year, and maybe we're on the cusp. Maybe this is the start of it, or maybe we have to wait a couple more weeks, which is very possible, right? It could be one of those things where, it's like, okay, face the Jets, who not great besides Sauce Gardner. Like, their secondary is pretty weak. The Giants' secondary is nothing to get excited about. The Commander's secondary is not good. Like, maybe it's the next few weeks where we start seeing that Roger Swagger come back. And, again, I think there is a 0.0% chance he'd be MVP. But maybe he's at least thrown into the debate topic. Like, do we forget about Aaron Rodgers? Can he get a third straight MVP? You know, something to nibble on for the first take crew. We'll see. Uh, I definitely hope Aaron Rodgers can get going at some point. Number three is pony personnel. So I thought Justin Justice Muscata, who's great uh, Packer beat writer uh, on AcmePacker.com, wrote about how the pony personnel has not worked so far. Uh, right now, the Packers are averaging less than three yards a play. Um, it's been a kind of a big term that a lot of the broadcasters have been using, like, oh, they're using Jones and Dylan together um, to maximize their potential. And they basically what Moscata found is that they're being way too predictable with what they're doing. It's like, oh, we're running pony personnel, so we're going to run the football. Um, or we're going to run a screen to A.J. Dillon or, or Aaron Jones. So I'll be curious to see if there are wrinkles to the pony personnel this week um, from Matt LaFleur. If they, or if they go away from it, they don't use it as much and they find ways to use Dylan and Jones in different ways. And we'll have to see. Um, I think they can do a lot more. I'd love to see like a split zone, zone read, almost like an option where you have Jones coming across Aaron Rodgers' body. Aaron Rodgers either gives it to Jones based on the defense or he pitches it out to Dylan. I think that, to me, like that's a great play. Like that's a, a zone option or a speed option, I believe that would be what that, that is. I remember my days of NCAA football. Uh, running a speed option with either Jones or Dylan would be a lot of fun. And I think the Green Bay Packers could do that. I think some of the stuff, you you know, people want to shout out Mike McCarthy, but he did a really good job against the New York Giants of using Zeke and Tony Pollard. Like I felt like it was a really good combination. I felt like he made Cooper Rush's life a lot easier by the way he could run the football with Zeke and Pollard and he was committed to it. And I, A, I haven't seen Mike McCarthy committed to the run in a long fucking time. And I know he's not calling plays. I know it's Callum Moore, but I'm sure McCarthy has influence. So whether it was Moore that decided to go more run heavy, but I thought they used Zeke and Pollard together a lot better than what I've seen out of Jones and Dillon. So I'm curious to know if that's something the Packers will steal from, um, especially maybe in two weeks when you play the Giants, because I do think you can run on that team. Um, and I think that was that was my big takeaway from that Giants game. Not only is the Giants offense not very good, like I think we know that the time is up on Daniel Jones. Like I think Brian Dable is going to look at this and say, I need somebody else next season. 
Um, I, I think Brian Dable was okay with one more year of Daniel Jones because it was last year's contract. And then it'll be a question of what do the Giants do? Do the Giants try to sign, try to trade for Lamar? Like, I don't know. Like, if I were the Giants, Lamar, the Giants are just so stuffy, right? Like, Lamar Jackson does not feel like a Giants quarterback to me. But I just, his swag, his personality, like, it doesn't match the New York Giants. Like, Lawrence Taylor, even though Lawrence Taylor had a ton of swag and didn't exactly fit in, like, he still felt like it was a square in a round hole. So could Lamar Jackson, you know, kind of bring that forward? And that would be really fun. And I, I think with Dable, I mean, holy shit, right? And I, I don't think they're going to let Jackson go to free agency. That, that to me, is not going to happen. But if... The Ravens are like, we don't want to pay Lamar. And the Giants look at it and say, okay, we could give Lamar a bunch of money and basically kind of do sort of the Josh Allen thing with Lamar. Holy shit, right? Um, but I don't know. Uh, we'll talk more about Giants next week. Obviously, the focus is the Patriots here, not trying to look ahead. But yeah, I mean, can the Pony personnel get going? Like I said, it's not been easy to run the football against the New England Patriots. So we'll see, we'll see what happens there. Last thing, a bonus one is just Romeo Dobbs. I'm just very curious to see if Romeo Dobbs will kind of, what's the encore, right? Like he had a great game yes, yesterday, last week, and it's like, what what does that encore performance look like? What is that second hit? Like, is he a one-hit wonder? I don't think so. Um, but I think some of the Packer Twitter, Packer, Packer tape boys are way too early to be like, oh, he's wide receiver one, he's wide receiver one. Like, let's just... Settle down. Like, I understand there's some analytics that favor that, but, like, we just got to chill out. We got to see it a little bit more from Romeo Dobbs before we're ready to anoint him as, you know, the next one. I was going to say him, but I, oh, my God. I don't know. Like, if I had to, like, marry, fuck, kill the things I hate right now on the internet between him, understood the assignment, it's giving, or, um, what was the other one? Dog. My dad's been. My dad used it a couple times when we were we were at the brewery game last night, um, which is funny. Uh, I don't know, wow, Dan. That's a, that's the Mount Rushmore of things I hate right now. That's a great summer jam topic. Um, we didn't do a summer jam this year. Maybe a fall jam coming on a couple weeks. Stay tuned. Uh, but that to me, though, all four of those uh, drive me fucking crazy. Um, so. Uh, it's just they just get overused, man. It's like it's like if you have nothing to say, it's like he's him. Oh, he's him. Fuck off. Like be a be a little be a little more original, maybe. Uh, just you know. But everybody's him. Uh, that's Warren Sharp. That's Bleacher Report. BFF. All these engagement boys that are looking for content. Um, though that's that's their thing. That's not my thing. Uh, but we'll see if Romeo can follow up with a second hit. Like we'll see if he has a second banger in him. It's not just a one hit wonder. It's not just one song and done. It's like we have multiple bangers on deck for Romeo Dobbs. We'll have to see. All right. Lastly, uh, the Brewers. So the Brewers refuse to die. Uh, we talked about on yesterday's podcast how they didn't show up. We talked about the frustration of that. And then the Brewers turn around and they win the game yesterday. And they won it in sort of dramatic fashion. Uh, it was the Cardinals JV team. Uh, the Cardinals won the division the day before. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt, I think, only played for six innings. They actually pulled him when he could have contributed to uh, the demise of the Brewers. Uh, the Phillies lost another game. They've now lost 9 of 12. Because they've lost 9 of 12, the Brewers have suddenly found themselves closest to the playoff race. 
since August 13th. It's incredible that we're here. It's incredible that the Brewers still have an opportunity. Um, they are technically one and a half games back because of the tiebreaker. So can the Brewers find their way into the postseason is, is the question at hand. And I just... I, I've read it, I've thrown dirt on this team I don't know how many times. Like I haven't consulted, I haven't said I'm over, I've stuck with it, I've done the reviews, I haven't given up. But I'll tell you right now, like I have, you know, set up their funeral proceedings a hundred times. Like I and like I've worked with the pallbearers and are like, all right, yeah, put the brewers in a casket. Like it's over, like that that blue casket looks nice. Like I've done that I don't know how many times this this last two months. And yet the Brewers continue to prove me wrong. They continue to find a way to win win baseball games. And they also continue to find a way to be entirely frustrating. Like Brandon Woodruff has been a dog. Uh, if we're talking about dogs, like he has had 10 strikeouts in four straight games. Like that's incredible. Like t- that, that to me is ace-like shit. That to me is what I would think about Brandon Woodruff as sort of the leader of this pitching staff. Like I know Corbin Burns won a Cy Young. We talked about this a little bit last week with Brandon Woodruff, but it's like, I don't trust anybody more than Brandon Woodruff. All right, like I just do. Like I, I look at him and I know this guy is going to deliver. As Kurt Hogg, the beat writer of the Brewers who also wrote something about this, like Brandon Woodruff has had the goods for the last couple, last month basically, has been incredible. I would make a case that he is pitcher of the month for, for September. Uh, he has done everything he can to make sure this Brewers team has life. And they do. And you look at now, they have six straight home games starting tonight against the Marlins. And the Phillies have to continue on the road. They play the Cubs this afternoon in what will be a cold day at Wrigley. The Cubs are going to try to sweep the Phillies for the second straight time, uh, which is crazy. Uh, So if the Cubs were to win today, the Brewers would have a chance to then be on top in a half game. And they would have the tiebreaker for the time being. And the Brewers would get a half game up on the Philadelphia Phillies should they win. So that, and that's just crazy to me. Because there have been so many times where I'm like, this is it. This is over. It's not going to happen. And the Brewers are somehow fucking involved. And they could potentially get to play St. Louis in round one of the playoffs, which would be phenomenal. And I know that it would scare a lot of people and be like, this team doesn't belong to be there. But I would make a case that, you know what? Fuck it, we're in. And I realized that this is a sea change from yesterday. I realized that some of me, some part of me was like, I don't know if I want to be there. But I think it's just, there are things that make me feel that it's not okay there in the Brewers. Like that the clubhouse is just kind of doing this to spike themselves, right? Like, I don't know if these guys like each other. I don't know if the manager and the the, the guys are seeing eye to eye, right? He sat McCutcheon on Tuesday night and then he sat Christian Yelich last night. Like, how is that going over in the clubhouse? I have no idea. So, and maybe they're all on board. Maybe, maybe there's stuff that we don't know about, but I've been waiting for that big piece from a national writer, whether it's Rosenthal, Passan, Robert Murray, John Heyman, uh, where it's like, the Brewers are very dysfunctional right now from top to bottom. It's a complete mess. Like I've just been waiting for that story because I feel like that's the story, but it, it maybe not. Maybe this is just a weird fucking team that does dumb shit, but somehow survives. You know, we have, I mean, I think we all have friends, right? That do dumb stuff. And you're like, why do you do that? 
and somehow they're still kicking, somehow they're still, you know, a functioning member of society, even though they do a ton of dumb shit. So if we look at the matchups today, we have Ranger Suarez going on the mound for the Philadelphia Phillies versus Javier Assad. Javier Assad had a good start to his MLB career, and then it kind of went off the rails. So I'm not expecting a ton there, uh, but cold day in Wrigley, you never know. Um, that could affect the Phillies. The Phillies have been such a mess that I don't know if you can really you know, hitch your wagon to Phillies minus 195 tonight. Uh, but then the Brewers are against the Marlins later tonight. And the only team that is worse against lefties than the Brewers is the Miami Marlins. And Eric Lauer goes for the crew against Braxton Garrett. Braxton Garrett, also a lefty. So that should be a fight. It might be the race to three runs. Uh, but we'll see if the Brewers can get it done. And like I like it's been said, the Brewers can't can't lose baseball games right now. They they have to try to win out. And then after that, the Phillies will head to Washington to play the Nationals. Nationals have lost 100 games. Patrick Corbin on the mound on Friday. So you could maybe chalk it up as a loss. But we'll have to see. It's every game, man. We will be scoreboard watching and seeing if the Brewers have a pulse. As for, Mil- as for American Family Field yesterday, watched it with my, my dad. Uh, I kind of said I didn't want to do the podcast yesterday with Mitch because I wanted to go to the game with my dad. I will just put, put it to you this way. When your dad invites you to a baseball game, you just go. You do. You really do. If you have nothing going on or you can make it work, you go. Because you don't know how many of those you have as you get older. Uh, my dad you know, is in his mid-60s. Um, I want to make sure I maximize every time I can spend with him. And I've spent a lot of time with him recently. And I want to, you know, I want to kind of keep that going. And it's been great. And, you know, it was really nice to to spend some quality time with him. You know, he said as he dropped me off at home last night, he's like, it's nice to do that father-son bullshit. And he was kind of joking, but it's serious. And I know he, I know that that was his way of being endearing in his own special way. And I appreciate that. And I value that that time with him. And I had a good time. He has great, he has great seats. Um, he had got season tickets. I haven't been able to sit in them because he got day game tickets uh, for him and a, a work partner of his. And so I haven't been able to enjoy those, uh, which has kind of sucked. He's invited me. He's like, do you want to go? And it's like, dad, I fucking work. Like, I, unfortunately, I, I'm not getting paid to talk about the Brewers. If I was... And I could go to games and do reviews and do a different shit. Like, yeah, for sure, man. Uh, but I enjoyed it. I mean, club seats are very underrated. Um, I, like, they are higher up, but the seats are great. Like, they are, like, movie theater-like seats. Um, you have a ton of space. They're comfortable. Um, they're just an enjoyable way to watch baseball game. You also have the air conditioning when it's hot obviously didn't need it yesterday they don't have heating i don't think there which would be nice would be an added bonus they could not only have ac but they could also have heating um and their food's pretty solid they i we had like a double uh burger there and the the bun was great like really good shit um i saw someone who had like nachos that looked fantastic so it kind of is a leveled up food experience as well there so yeah i i think don't sleep on the club seats like they are they are farther away yes they're in the 300 level but they're still really good views of the game as well as the the kind of the amenities that that were discussed so a lot of cardinals fans but that happens thank you for spending money these two cardinals fans could not stop fucking talking 
um, behind me. Like I was like, I'm living and dying on every fucking pitch. And they were like talking about how they like cops. The lady called it ice cream. And I'm like, it's fucking custard woman. But I, I, I didn't want to say anything because I was like, I didn't care that much. But I obviously did if it bothered me. I'm talking about it here on the podcast. Uh, there, yeah, just some, I was like, guys, can we, can we just shut the fuck up? Like, can we just watch baseball? Um, so yeah, but it was all good, man. And I hope, I hope to be able to be there next Tuesday. Uh, we have tickets for next Tuesday. If the Brewers are still involved, I hope that I am going to be there front and center for maybe a clinch, um, or maybe the Brewers continuing to show that they have a pulse. I, I will also just add that this is kind of all for naught. If, if they were to win or lose tonight and lose and and Philly were to win. Um, so I kind of hope they can keep it going. I kind of hope that this is the thing that pushes them forward, that provides them a little bit of motivation, especially with the seventh inning, the craziness of that. Like, I just hope that this is that motivation that they need. Also, too, winning tonight, it will be good, considering tomorrow night's against Sandy Alcantara. Now, Alcantara has taken a step back, but the guy is just a fucking beast. So it's that's not going to be easy, even with Corbin Burns on the mound. All right, that does it for today's show. Like I said, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll do Should You Bet uh, with the Badgers as well as the Packers. Uh, I will say, spoiler alert, I feel a lot better about the Packers than I do the Badgers. So we'll talk about that tomorrow. Um, So stay tuned for that. And yeah, who knows what else? I'm sure we'll recap Brewers Marlins from tonight as well as see what happens with the Phillies game. But yeah, uh, thank you for listening. Make sure that you're rating and reviewing as well as subscribing if you haven't. And following us on all the socials, Tap the Keg on Twitter, Tap the Keg Sports on Instagram as well as TikTok. All right, take care, guys. Have a good one. Bye.